0: Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing SNL at Home, the show's historic first attempt at remote quarantine broadcasting during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Katherine Coleman, and with me as always is Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at SNLpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, here we go. news, there's no official word on whether SNL at home is going to be an ongoing endeavor, but I did want to take a second to just discuss what it was, and uh, I'm going to be sentimental about it for a minute because I do feel like it was a historic, really cool thing that we got to be a part of. SNL has never been this before. It may never be this again. It just reminded me why the show is so special. It's so malleable. It can be so many things. And it just gave us especially me, such a great 90 minutes of normalcy in these crazy times in a time where I'm struggling to feel much of anything, especially connected to anything, to just see these people that I love to watch every week and they got to make me laugh for 90 minutes. It was just such a beautiful, amazing thing. And I just want to thank from the bottom of my heart, everyone that was involved with it. And I thought it was really great.
1: Yeah, here, hear. hear. Uh, it, it definitely was well-timed. You know, we're, we're a full month if not more at this point into isolation, we want as much positivity and distraction as we can get our hands on. And we'd already kind of been resigned to the idea of SNL just being done for the season, plain and simple. We might get, you know, some stuff on Instagram or whatever, but we didn't think we were going to get them rallying, a team style and just putting the pieces back together as best they can with, uh, you know, a post board and magic markers and whatever they could rummage up. And uh, I think they pulled it off. You know, I, I had a lot of genuine fun with this and it felt so good. It felt really, really good. So you're absolutely right, Catherine. This, uh, this was something that uh, I think a lot of people probably, if they didn't need it, would probably really at least appreciate it right now. And, uh, yeah. it was fun. Yeah.
2: Definitely one for the history books. Mm-hmm. You mark my words, the next anniversary special, whether it be 50 years or, or 60, whenever they do the next one, <laughs> sure, you know there's going to be a whole segment on, on that COVID oh, yeah. episode.
0: For sure.
2: Yeah, this was something completely unprecedented. Anybody who thought they've already seen it all after so many years of this show, this is yet another surprise. And for something that's been on the air for so long, to see something so refreshing come out of it, it's... I, I think it's going to rejuvenate a lot of people's passion for the show. I think mm-hmm. people are going to renew their respect for this show. If, if anybody has found themselves kind of being over what SNL does.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we could we could gush or we could <laughs> dig into the episode, but I think we're all saying the same thing, that yeah. this was a lot of fun. And I appreciate that, uh, that we got it. Definitely. For sure.
0: Let's get into it. Sure. We didn't have a cold open, really, but... I think we can take the time that we would kind of discuss that and talk about our fun, new little at-home intro credit sequence.
2: Sure. (laughs) Because I
0: was having a blast with it. Steve, how did you feel about their new credits?
2: I thought it was the most brilliant thing because (laughs) what we usually get from the opening credits is a sense of how they spend their time, you know, in their nightlife. Now we see their home life. And obviously that is the best equivalent to use since we're doing a SNL from home episode. And it just made me feel even closer to them. I, I watch the show every week. They feel like my friends, my extended family. I kind of feel like I got invited over and acknowledged for once, even though I'm still <laughs> just a fan watching it on TV. But I did feel a little bit closer. It's great to great to hang with them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I felt similarly. It was like a sense of closeness and really fun. And as soon, especially when they had. The band come in. I was like, yay, they got to be a part of it. I was like cheering. I cried a little bit. It was just, I thought it was really great and it was really fun to see those little peaks at their lives. Mm-hmm. John, did you enjoy it too?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I think it was brilliant. It sets the right tone. Uh, it, it makes it clear that they understand what the joke is. They understand what the theme of this episode is because they've turned their own credits into a self-referential joke on uh, how, uh, sequestered and sad, everyone's existences. But at the same time, they they kind of made it glorious in a way. Like Steve, Steve, you were right. Just being able to peek in on them in their day to day, it humanizes them. It, it just, yeah, it, it just gives you a, a really nice sense of the headspace that everyone's in, and the fact that they can still make a joke about our our mundane uh, house cat existence. Um, I liked it.
0: Our next sketch is Masterclass Quarantine Edition with Timothée Chalamet, Jojo Siwa, and Carol Baskin. Steve, would you take a masterclass from these people? What'd you think of this?
2: Yeah, I've seen the ads and they definitely have the, the flourishes here that make it very much in tune with the whole aesthetic they're going for with these, uh, with these classes. And it's a really perfect vehicle to do a few impressions. Definitely. So. I'm very happy with uh, what Chloe came up with to showcase what she does. Now I'm not familiar with, and I'm very glad that I'm not familiar with this Jojo, whatever person. <laughs> I, but what we're probably going to end up talking about is the Carol Baskin impression. Mm. Oh, I I'm really, so. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Tiger King is in part so big right now because we all have the time to sit down and, and binge a lot of content and, that came out at the perfect time for this everybody's talking about that bitch carol baskin (laughs) and boy what a great impression
0: yeah i think this was a really clever way for chloe to show off some impressions we've seen i think all of these before at the very least on her instagram and you know i love it when they come up with a new format to just do like a little impression wheel you know And Chloe's a really good impressionist. I'm really excited to see what she brings to the show going forward. I thought these were great. I'm also not super familiar with Jojo Siwa. I'm familiar enough to know that it's perfect and I don't want to see it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the Carol Baskin impression was the one for the money for me. Because, man, I loved Tiger King. I've talked about nothing but Tiger King. Yet there were still a couple jokes in there that were sort of new to me. Like I didn't think about how slowly Carol rides her bike. And that was a fun little joke. And of course we had to get them didn't murder her husband jokes. And it's a really good impression. John, how did you feel about it?
1: Uh, I agree with all points. Chloe uh, did a really good job with this. All, all the impressions seem to be very nicely realized. And uh, my same comment from the last time we got a really good impression vehicle from her on weekend update was basically that she seems to know how to not just dial in on the mannerisms and you know, the vocal quality and the performance Mm -hmm. quality that is going to impersonate a character, but she's able to find the impression of them, the, the humor, the the thing that's going to convey who they are in a humorous light,
0: Yeah, the game of the character.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'll, I'll always be quick to applaud when someone takes an impersonation further and turns it into a genuine comedic impression.
2: Yeah. And keep in mind, there is no one in her corner for this to, Help her with makeup or costume. That is all her. Not <laughs> not a professional costumer from SNL or whatever hair and makeup crew would normally be in charge of creating that look. She uh, got that all done herself. So that definitely deserves acknowledgement.
0: I read in an interview that she owns like a hundred wigs, right. which I love. It's a just a testament to how she's been grinding away at you know comedy clubs for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. you beat me to it. Uh, Anyone who follows her Instagram knows that this is not her first rodeo. This is how she made her name, basically, is by trying to realize characters with whatever she had available without, you know, SNL production budgets. Uh, So it's almost like she was built for this kind of an episode of SNL. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense that her segment on the show is a
0: real stunner. Right. Bailey Gizmert steps out from behind the update desk and back onto her YouTube channel. Steve, how did this play for you?
2: Oh, this was great. Now we're getting what we've always been alluding to is the YouTube show that she's famous for. We've only Mm -hmm. seen her on Weekend Update without the actual context of her actual show that she's used to doing. And now we get to see it, and turns out she's quite the editor. She can put on (laughs) quite the show, and... You know, unsurprisingly, it does follow a lot of the beats that the Weekend Update appearances do. But I think they translated it well. I think it still works as a piece.
0: Yeah. Getting to see the brand that she's been alluding to behind the desk <laughs> as it is, you know, supposed to be how she got famous enough to be on Weekend Update was great. This is really what this character was made for it. I think she's great on Weekend Update, but this is amazing. I really thought this was a clever way to use her. And big props to Heidi for, you know, I get the sense that she's just still like a kid at heart and, you know, she's got all of these <laughs> fun little trinkets that she could put up and really decorated out her set really well. <laughs> it's kind of like what John was saying with Kate, you know, it's a character with Kate knows in and out. And I feel like Heidi kind of has that with Bailey. She knows what Bailey's bedroom looks like. So big props to Heidi. I thought this was great. I thought this was the perfect way to showcase this character, a really good character of Heidi's to bring in, you know, they have mm-hmm. sort of the repertoire that I imagine they could choose from. And this was, you know, the perfect one, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. John, I
1: think it's hilarious that it it basically took the collapse of Western civilization <laughs> to deliver the sketch I didn't know I needed for for <laughs> Bailey Gisbert. Yeah, if we didn't have this weird historic outing of SNL, we probably would never have gotten this sketch, and it is just so perfect. And such a great use of what they had to work with and the limitations of this week 's format uh, for them to do this, it seems like the whole back half of the show is basically them goofing on like youtube influencers like mm-hmm. there's a there's a sort of a running theme of it's goofing tr- on what modern streaming television is, mm-hmm. so this is great. this is absolutely great. We know Bailey Gizmert, and we've had to use our imaginations to fill in what her show would be. How does she stage the show? And because they had nothing else to work with other than Heidi's uh pop culture uh bobble collection, you know, mm-hmm. that she she is just the sort of person that has a lot of that stuff at her disposal. Um, they were able to just take that and create a world for Bailey Gisbert and we get to step into this world and it all works and it makes so much sense. And it it just makes me love the character more. And this is my favorite Heidi character. It has been since I think the first time we saw it on update. And I just really, really enjoyed seeing Bailey Gisbert in her element, seeing what her show actually is. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Our next sketch is an animated sketch. Mm-hmm. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles aren't as cool now that they're all middle aged Mutant Ninja Turtles. Steve, were you feeling this one?
2: A little too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely makes you long for those days that lacked consequence. (laughs) You know, we all were young once and uh, we could afford to make mistakes back then. But now, you know, we really got to think about the choices and where they lead us in life. And (laughs) did not expect me pondering that. <laughs> um, watching the ninja turtles of all things <laughs> but here we are you know it's always something amazing having actual animated content produced in such a short amount of time granted we're not seeing anything too complicated basically just your flash animation with a uh, you know a few frames here and there but boy was was it ever well realized mm-hmm. it was really appropriate to have something just so depressing. It's funny because (laughs) a lot of the reasons we're laughing now is to get ourselves through a tough time. So this is very much on brand for, for what this show is all about right now.
0: Definitely. John, what were your thoughts?
1: I'm going to applaud the animation a little bit more. I think I think Steve undersold that a bit. I think there was some serious care put into the look of this to make sure that we're in the old-timey standard definition aspect ratio and that you're getting a little bit of chroma shift a la an analog TV broadcast. Like They're positioning this back in 1990 beautifully. And as someone that watched, well, every episode of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ever put mm-hmm. out probably 10 times over, I think they really, really nailed that. Uh, the company that they were working with had less than a week, like this isn't something that they had in the pipeline from a few weeks ago and we're hoping to put it out on like the Krasinski episode. It didn't happen. This is something that was a a lockdown production and, uh, yeah, turned it around in less than a week. And I think the animation they got out of it was exceptional for those constraints. I felt like this is a very appropriate successor to TV fun house like mm-hmm. this is the same kind of let's take a cartoon and uh, you know, deconstruct it and let's, or maybe carry the story past the, the end of the real cartoon and see where these characters end up. Those were the kind of things that uh, Robert Smigel would play with, mm-hmm. with the old TV fun house. And I think that uh, Steven Castillo and Dan Bula and uh, Kyle Mooney are <laughs> Definitely tapped into that kind of energy and, and, uh, that particular sensibility. And I loved everything about it. This was a sketch after my own heart, the subject matter. I know well, uh, from both sides, being a, a Ninja Turtles kid and now being a middle-aged guy, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, lamenting his lost youth. There was just a lot here that was speaking to me and on a show like this, I was not expecting this kind of a sketch to get turned out very pleasantly surprised.
0: This was such a fun idea. At first, I thought it didn't escalate as well as it could have. But then, like, kind of thinking about it again, no, thought, that
1: melancholy—that
0: would have messed it up. Yeah. yeah, we did. We didn't need to go to Crazy Town.
1: The whole point is that these guys will have no excitement in right. their lives. Exactly. Yes. yes.
0: So, <laughs> you know, this one worked for me. I really liked it. I've been singing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme song all day, <laughs> and like you said, they nailed the the parody of it. They had, yes. you know, they, the look was perfect. So, yeah.
1: dead. And we're not even going to go to the funeral. <laughs> yeah. We'll go to the wake. Can we're I, not go can the I borrow some money? Uh. <laughs> I don't even watch golf. <laughs> we should mention that Hannah Levy and uh, Adriana Robles directed. So everyone involved in this. Good job. Yeah. Loved it.
0: With our comedy for the night more wrapped up, we do move on into a little bit heavier material where past and present cast members pay tribute to the beloved SNL music producer Hal Wilner. Uh, A very touching thing that they did here. Steve, how did you feel?
2: Well, I think it showed me just how well liked this guy was by his co-workers, past and present. People really seem to love Hal, and I'm kind of sad I'll never get to meet the guy because I really feel like he'd be an awesome dude to get to know. Definitely. Just listening to Fred and and John Mulaney and, and all the girls talk about how much they loved him and and all the great memories they had with him. You know, it was uh, very emotional. And yeah, it sucks to lose a guy like that. But I think he got a really great send-off. Normally, we just see an in-memoriam card between sketches, and that's it. So for something a little bit more substantial, I'm glad it's a guy that was so loved by his cast and crew.
0: Yeah, this was really touching. I saw a lot of their posts about it on social media, and he just seemed like a really, really genuine great guy and like you said i'm i'm sad that i'll never get to meet him i'm glad they did this i really really love it when they let themselves be sentimental and let that weight come into the show i know it's a comedy but there's a lot to it it's a community it's been on for 45 years and you know i i like that when they take a second to appreciate that and appreciate this guy's been with us and he meant a lot to all of us and let's really let that sit for a minute so I was really, I was really happy to see this in the sense that they let themselves do that. And I think it was probably good for a lot of them to process this that way. It was really nice to hear from all the different generations and really appreciate what this guy did for the show. John?
1: Steve mentioned that oftentimes we'll just get a an in memoriam title card, like after weekend update or something. That's fitting for someone that maybe worked at the show a long time ago and has long since retired. And they're part of the family and we want to pay our respects, but that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with someone that has been at the show for 40 years, started in 1980. So he's been a constant feature for basically every cast since the original, not ready for primetime players. And for that kind of a person to have put in that much time at the show, his soul is baked into the show at this point. The, mm-hmm. the tone that he sets and just his sensibility and what he has brought to now upwards of a thousand sketches. There's a little piece of him, you know, in, in so much of what SNL's produced. A title card wouldn't have cut it. You know, I don't know the guy from Adam, but you get a sense from what everyone's had to say on social media and, and in this little memoriam piece that he made a big impact. He seemed like a genuinely likable guy. And I think maybe what's probably going to hurt the most for a lot of the people at the show is them knowing, like truly knowing how much knowledge and craft is going with him, uh, knowing how many stories he has to tell. Because this is, you know, he was in the industry and he's worked with the biggest people in rock and jazz and so many other genres. He, he wasn't just, you know, an SNL crewman. He, he's a guy that lived and probably saw so many historic things and, and, uh, rubbed shoulders and crossed paths and worked with, with so many iconic people. The stories must have been amazing. And someone like Fred Armisen, who just lives for deep cut music and, and Bill Hader and, uh, everyone else that was chiming in, the people that really probably got the, the true value of this guy. It's going to leave a serious hole in the show and in their hearts. And this conveyed that and I was feeling it. And so, uh, you know, we wish the best to his family and everyone that he leaves. And uh, obviously the, the show must go on, but yeah, this, uh, this was not a small loss. And so I think it's fitting that they did such a a nice tribute for him here.
0: Yep. I think we'll miss his thumbprint on the show for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, (laughs) that's the end. Of the rundown.
2: Whew, two Woo, hours in. There was
0: a lot. A lot of sketches that we got tonight. And a lot of moments. But it's time to pick one. So, Steve, what was your moment of the night?
2: My moment of the night is when Keenan just dropped his high standards in the middle of that dating uh, game show. That was just so great. Clearly, he's the weirdest one of them all. Not really the type of character that should be. <laughs> making any sort of demands. So that was kind of a fun way to end that sketch. That was really a laugh out loud moment for me. So that's definitely a moment I want to go for.
0: Great. John, what was your moment of the night?
1: I'm going to give it to the moment when we uh, are coming at a weekend update and we cut to Bailey Gizmert's show. I didn't realize how much I wanted to see this world, like see the way that Heidi sees Bailey Gizmert's world. <laughs> I thought that that was just a really, exciting opportunity to be able to reimagine this weekend update feature and, and put it in the world. I didn't know I wanted it. And when it happened, I'm like, yes, this is so perfect for this kind of show. So I got really excited at that moment to see the Bailey Gizmer show. It's like you watch it on weekend update and you'd like to be able to flip over to YouTube and actually check out the channel and see this, you know, this train wreck movie reviewer. And, we got to finally see that. And so, uh, yeah, the, the moment that I realized that I was going to get to go on that ride was a lot of fun. So that's my moment.
0: Cool. Well, I'm going to give my moment to when I realized that they were doing their own credit sequences. When I realized (laughs) this, this one's different and this is what we're getting. And I just out of the gate, I was cheering alone and (laughs) I was so excited. It really set the tone for what we were getting and it, it felt new and fresh and, it just gave me so much energy going into the show. So that's definitely my moment.
2: Nice. I never would have thought of that one. That's a really <laughs> great way to use Moment of the Night. It was really exciting because it, it said so much. It, it told us exactly
1: what we were in for. And it just showed that everyone was going to put their all into it. So yeah, that was, yeah, nice. A good moment.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice one.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I, I do my best over here. You know? <laughs> all right. So, Steve, what did you think the best sketch of this episode was of the hundred? In 50, we saw.
2: (laughs) Yes, if I had to cut out 149 sketches (laughs) and just leave one, I want to go with Sky Sports Report because that was just so fun and such a great character that Alex came up with. Alex just really nailed the voice there, and it was just fun watching the makeshift sports events play out. This was such a good use of the limited resources that were available. And I think it spoke to the condition of the world in one of the most clever ways out of everything we saw. So this is what makes the cut for me. I think this is where I had the most fun in the show.
0: Cool. I think my best sketch, I'm really, really torn. I, I loved so many of these. It's hard for me to pick, but I think, I think I'm going to go with the masterclass one because it really is such a good vehicle for Chloe and it shows us what we're going to be getting in the next few years with her. And it was really great. And I loved a Carol Baskin impression. So (laughs) I think think that one's going to be my best sketch. Mm -hmm. John?
1: It always feels good when a featured player gets like a whole sketch just to bite Mm -hmm. into. I get it, but I'm siding with Steve on this one. Sky Sports Report. It was a perfect premise. It had the best visual gags and it had an absolutely flawless performance from Alex. There was nothing wrong with this sketch and it was even enhanced by the context of the episode and the limitations of the episode. Everything about the episode just fed into making it feel even better and, and just being better realized. So sometimes adversity is the the missing (laughs) ingredient that can make material really sore. And I, I feel like this one just really soared.
0: All right, Steve, who's your MVP for the night?
2: It's gotta be top left. Corn kernel for sure. (laughs) Sure. I knew he was going to come through and, and there you go. He was the winner. (laughs) Yeah. I want to give it to Mikey because he was really a driving force of this episode. You know, he led the zoom call and he was also, uh, the Twitch streaming guy. And he was, uh, one of the better parts of that game show. I thought Mike did really well with everything that, that he had in the show. And yeah, some, Cast members were not present at all, really. So for him to have such a big chunk of this show to work with, I think that really speaks well to uh, how well utilized he is for this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to echo you and also give it to Mikey. I, As you know, I really, really enjoyed the Twitch sketch. But also, he was just really present in this episode. And I think it speaks to the format and how well adapted he is to mm-hmm. this. He's really good on his own. And he's really good at these commentaries on sort of modern gaming and young people stuff, I guess. <laughs> and I think he did a really great job with it. So I think he was really present and what he had, he was really owning. Uh, John, do you want to make it unanimous or do you have a different MVP?
1: I think Mikey's the right call, but I have, you know what? I'm going to give it to Mikey because <laughs> that is the right call, but I have two honorable mentions that I think okay. are worth saying. Right. I think Chris Martin deserves an attaboy. Okay, That was just a beautiful rendition of that song. It was the right person for that segment and the right song for that segment. And I rarely give Coldplay high marks when they're on the show these days. And so it was just really nice for him to get a win, at least, you know, mm-hmm. for me, from, like, from my perspective, I, this is the the best thing I've seen him do on the show in a long time. And I was just really enraptured by it. So I, I think that that's a, at least an honorable mention. And- yeah let's not forget the editors that took a whole bunch of crappy webcam footage and just whatever (laughs) these guys could throw together with any quality audio, you know, blown out video, low res video, compressed video, you know, video with no, um, you know, sync tracking or anything that they they had nothing to work with. Like this is Mm -hmm. just them taking all these little bits and pieces that the cast is able to throw together to try and give them something and they spun gold with it. Yeah. And that is sure. no small task. They came up with an hour and seven minutes of, honestly, I think some of the best SNL we've seen in quite a while. And mm-hmm. I was floored with what they did with what they had. So, yeah, hey.
0: Major props to production. Yeah.
1: Everyone in post and everyone that just got involved and rolled up their sleeves and figured out some way to contribute to this show behind the scenes. It was beautiful. It came out great. And Definitely. everyone should be super duper proud. And so Mikey had a good show, and he's always prolific. He's always writing the stuff that speaks to the youth, and uh, yeah, he's he's got a, a great sense of what works on SNL. So he's always an easy pick, and I respect it. I agree that he had a great show, and but there was a lot of people that went above and beyond to make this show yep. work, and uh, I love them all.
0: Yeah, I always forget that MVP doesn't have to be a cast member.
1: Oh, it is. I used to harp on Steve all the time and Andy too, for trying to break the rules, but I'm not so much of a Now that it's not my show, I'm not so much of a stickler. I'll, I'll go rogue when I want to.
0: <laughs> all right. Now for all the marbles here on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Steve?
2: It's gotta be classic. I mean, there's no way around it. It's yeah. totally new ground. We weren't really expecting hardly anything, really. We were just happy to see SNL back, and we were fully aware that this was going to be somewhat experimental. We were probably all ready to forgive it for not being quite up to par. Mm -hmm. But I think they really made a great hour and a half of television. Mm -hmm. So I think we saw history in the making here.
0: Yeah, this is definitely historic, and it could have been... 90 minutes of absolute hot garbage (laughs) and it still would have to be ranked a classic because that's simply what it is. You know, this could be a once in a lifetime SNL episode. Thankfully it wasn't that it was actually really, really solid, great material that they somehow put together. And I'm just so in awe of them all the time, but especially this time and just big props to everyone. You nailed it. I think easily a classic episode with the circumstances. And also with the content. Really great content. John?
1: Yeah. I don't know what they could have done better than this. It's an unqualified classic. It has written the first chapter of the story of this next era of SNL. You know, the the post-COVID-19 era of SNL, just like the post-9-11 era of SNL. This is the story. This is how it begins. And I just love that it says that this creaky old institution that so many people have written off as sort of an archaic form of television Mm -hmm. you know what when push comes to shove and we just got to get back to basics SNL knows how to put on a show they've got the talent and they've got everything that they need to to spin up something really really wonderful to give us all a little bit of respite Mm -hmm. they did it It's, it's a classic
0: All right. well that is a wrap Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, Zachary Phillip, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon to cover some more fun SNL-related topics as voted on by our listeners. If you'd like to suggest a topic, contact us at snlpodcast.com Or find us on social media, at SNL Podcast. But until then, this has been episode number 107 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.